Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer. For years to come, try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to All Stats Out We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye of goings-on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Martin Riley, the player leaving Leeds on loan with no obligation to buy the podcast. Well, it's not ideal, but at least it's the only one. And I'm joined by the second player leaving Leeds on loan with no obligation to buy the podcast, Adam Elliott. Another one? You've got to be joking. And finally, I'm joined by the third player leaving Leeds on loan with no obligation to buy the podcast, Free loans, Jeremy. Free? That's insane. It's Tom Wilson. How are you doing today, Tom? Fantasy on loan for Roma? Yeah, firstly, I'm not too bad. Uh, work finished for the week, so I've got the weekend off. And I would quite happily sign on loan for Roma if they pay for my wages for the year. <laughs> and for my flight out there, I will go tomorrow. Excellent. I enjoy some nice Italian cuisine and um, some nice chat with Jose Mourinho. It sounds okay, really, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it doesn't sound bad. Don't blame him for going out there. <laughs> Great stuff. And have you eaten anything good to it today? I have had halloumi sweet chili flatbreads. Oh. Yeah, very nice. It's a strong yeah, first entry. Nice. It was actually my first time on the main pod. The only other ones was the Austin the under twenty three, so yeah, first entry, strong, strong start. I would agree. Halloumi is always a strong entry. And how about you, Adam? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm alright. Um I'm eminently better now that Tom Wilson, you know royalty of this this parish is now on the podcast at last he's someone that like a lot of people won't be fully aware of but behind the scenes does do a lot of uh, work with us in terms of skying players and talking about them and that's what we're doing today so obviously he's strong on this point but in general he's just someone who's really good to bounce ideas off and has been a really really good part of the background of all stats for quite a while now so it's good to have you on tom and i'm, I'm excited to do a podcast with you for the first time um for team i, I had a what did i have Oh, I had pizza. That was pretty boring. Sorry about that. Um, what about yourself? What do you have, Martin? I had chicken in white sauce with mash and peas. Uh, it's one of my, my favourites, which I have quite regularly. And yeah, I always enjoy it and it fills me up nicely. So I am doing very good. And pizza is never is never a bad thing. It's always good for me. 
I always like something quick before the pods because I need time to sort of think about stuff and I, I always do something really quick. So my answers are normally boring. If you ask me like what I had two days ago, it might be more interesting. Although I can't remember, <laughs> so don't ask me. <laughs> no, that's cool. Don't worry. So today we are here to talk about scouting and this will be the first episode of the scouting pod. But before we do get into the scouting, I just want to run through a bit of the news that's happened recently. Um, so regards to players leaving, um, we've had Tyler Roberts joining Birmingham. And that's the, was the first confirmed departure. And also Alfie McCalmont's leaving to go to, was it Carlisle? Carlisle, yeah, yes. Carlisle, yeah. And permanently. Yes, permanently. I was surprised by that. I was expecting that one to be alone. But, yep, that's good to get his wages off the, off the books as well. And regards to other players, um, Diego Lorente and Rasmus Christensen appear to be joining Roma. Have, have they been confirmed yet? No, not yet. Um, but it just sounds like it's in the pipe. When Fabrizio Romano is talking about it on Twitter, you know it's probably going to happen soon. Yeah, that tapping merchant doesn't go near anything unless it's uh, a, a near <laughs> certain thing. Um, and then there's potential for loads of other players potentially even on loan if these loan clauses are to be believed that Victor Arter has left us with. <laughs> so, How yeah. many loans can you actually have? Is there only like seven or something? Seven or eight, I think, yeah. but that doesn't include under 21 players. So we're going to have up to seven or eight and whatever, whichever it is, first team players leaving on loan, potentially. Essentially, we're going to become Chelsea's yeah. loan army <laughs> again in the championship. Yeah, <laughs> great. Yep, quite potential. And then regards to other news, um, I think most people should be aware that it seems like it's going to be Daniel Farker who's going to be the, the new manager. And but it's not confirmed yet. It's been delayed for God knows what reason. Whether it's EFL signing off on the takeover or some other voodoo magic that has been left on the club that we can't confirm things. But yes, I would have preferred to have him confirmed for now, so we can definitely say he's he's a new manager and these are the players that we're looking to scout for him. But we'll assume it's him going into it. So just to explain the format of today's pod a bit, um, we've been scouting players. Um, of all three of us and this pod is going to be about central midfielders and defensive midfielders and all things in the middle of the park really and we're going to talk talk about each, each one of us got a player which we've been scouting in each section uh, one more defensive minded midfielder and one more attacking minded midfielder and we'll talk about them each one at a time and then we'll talk about some other things as well um, the way we found these players uh, was via data scouting at first. Um, I did a lot of work with Scout data and basically running through a lot of filters through it and just trying to find players who had a good mix of what sort of stats we'll, we want for a midfielder, depending on what position it is. And then I let everyone choose if they didn't have anyone to choose from. And this, I think Tom Wilson, he sorted his own out though because he's as good with data as I am. Um, so yes, um, that's how we found these players. And so first of all, defensive midfielders. <clears throat> so what Daniel Farker wants in defensive midfielders, um, first of all, he plays a double pivot, which will operate for one with a lone six, generally staying deeper, contributing heavily in build up and other things along those lines. And this player doesn't necessarily <laughs> need to be a destroyer by nature, as the defensive workload is shared quite evenly among the other central midfielders in the double pivot, as well as the attacking midfielder. But we'll get on to him a bit later. It also doesn't necessarily need to be a progressive player, as other players are generally responsible for this part of the workload. Do either of you have anything to add on this about what, what Farka wants from his midfielder? Anything, anything I've missed there? No, I mean, in general, with me, I went for... Because we didn't, obviously, when I started doing the research, we didn't know who the manager was, so I just went for two players I thought might work together well and would work in most possession-based teams. 
That sounds good. So yeah, we'll first of all, we'll have we'll go to Tom actually. So who is it that you want to talk about for the defensive midfield spot? Yeah, Tom. so my first player is actually called Tom. <laughs> Tom Hay of um, another <laughs> Tom. Another yeah. Tom on it's, this podcast. It's T-H-O-M though. So it's slightly, slightly different. Oh, right. Um, Tom Hay of um, SC Heravin who play in the Eredivisie. Um, he's 28, so he will provide some experience because we do have quite a lot of young midfielders at our club outside of, well, with the idea of midfielders other than that. Um, I think one thing <laughs> when I watched watched the tape was how often he was he was shouting and pointing to his teammates, um, showing them where they need to be, or he was even giving them balkins in if the standards were dropping. Um, I think we've obviously got some leaders at our club, but we probably do need some, some new leaders, some different um, faces. So he would, def- he would definitely be able to provide that. Um, in terms of data... His stats last season, his profile were, were extremely good. It was quite hard to pick a few out because a lot of them were very good. And I when I sent you when you sent the um, chart to me, Martin, you were quite surprised how many was in green. Yeah, I was. Um, looked very good, very healthy. In the well, the ones where you were in the top five percent of midfields in our data set were you put nine point four two long passes with a success rate of sixty eight point three five, which given the the amount of volume. It's pretty impressive. In terms of progression, he made 11.56 progression um, passes and 10.97 passes to the final third. From the Y-Scout data, he only put up 6.94 defensive duels, which still put him above average. But I found a graphic from Squawker. I think that's how it's pronounced. I'm not too sure where they. I'm not too sure where they get the data from, or if they collect it themselves. But he ranked fourth in Europe's top seven leagues for possession one behind Spearings of Toulouse and then behind Declan Rice and Rodri. So I'm not too sure what consists of possession one in terms of their stats, but other than just the Y-Sky one, obviously it's clear that he is very good at winning the ball back, which is what you do notice when you, when you watch the tape. In terms of his physical profile, he's around six foot one. He's got a fairly average build. He doesn't get bullied off the ball, but likewise he isn't a physical monster, so he's not, he's not winning every duel, but he wins his fair share. So he should be able to cope um, fine with the physical side of um, English football. He's pretty mobile. He's got a good engine, so he can get around the pitch, cover gaps defensively when needed. His injury record is also very good, which probably means if he signs that he'll get injured. Um, I wouldn't say he's rapid, but he's not slow. So again, in that point of view, there's no concerns there. In terms of what he does in possession, it plays a big role in helping his team get the ball at the pitch. He often likes to drop into the first line. Almost in the like false fallback position. This normally happens on the right of a situational back three. Um, when he gets, when he does pick the ball, he doesn't look to play safe though. He's always looking to punch passes through the lines, and he does so pretty successfully. He's got a good sense of when to separate from his marker and drop to receive. I think sometimes players can separate a bit too early, and then they actually lose the space for the teammates by doing so. Um, when he does move up the um, move to receive the ball, it's not always doing it to actually get the ball sometimes he's doing it to actually open up passing lanes I think one thing I always look for when I'm looking at midfielders or I mean just the players in general is what they're like with a weaker foot um, I think in Hayes case which is his left foot he's, he probably passed that test he's very comfortable using his left and there's not a drop off in, in quality when he's when he's using it most of his progression stuff does come in when he's facing play he's not really a dribbler more someone who will play a safety pass if receiving uh, with his back to play this isn't say that he can't he can't turn out of pressure. It's just not something that he, he tends to do very often. Um, he can play a long pass in behind. He can switch plays. 
good at quick combinations and is also Heravine's set-piece taker. I think some of his goals and some of his assists from last season did come from set-pieces. Um, obviously, with Farker coming in, we expect that Leeds will be a side that dominates the ball. Um, so having someone who can progress the ball from deep, I think will be crucial in, in, bre- in breaking down mid to low blocks. In terms of what it does out of possession, um, it's also very good. I'd probably describe him as a competitive defender without being dominant, especially when it comes to loose ball um, duels. In transition, in transition, he does he does a lot of defending in the right back area. That's mainly because Heravine likes to push their right back on, um, so he obviously has to defend that that space. Um, as you can imagine, defending that space out wide, he's got, he comes up against a lot of wide players. And one thing I did notice with him that is is very good at timing his tackles. Um, he also would bring some much needed height to our team. Is that six with him being six foot one? Um, there's a start on FBF. I know we use Wisecout on FBF. He's got a profile on there. It was in the top 25% of midfielders for aerials one with 1.26 per night. So that's an added bonus. Um, he's part of the side's rest defence. Like I say, because he drops in to that first line to receive, he's always part of that rest defence. So he's always having to sweep up and prevent a lot of counterattacks. He seems to have a good knack of positioning himself in the right place and sensing danger before it can turn into anything more serious. I did want to include on my sections just some potential cons. And it, it was hard for him because there wasn't, there wasn't too many. Because he's only got one year left on his deal, so I wouldn't imagine it would cost too much. It won't be on big wages. And we should be in a position as a club to offer more than anybody else who was in for him. And the main issue I found was that, not that he's 28, but Outside of one season in Italy, he's only played he's played all his football in the Netherlands. This could be just that he's a late bloomer or he hasn't found a, a tactical setup until now that suits his game, or it could be that he, he struggles outside of familiar settings. It's not a major concern because it might actually be something. I think it might just be, the, like I say, the stuff I previously mentioned. But all in all, I did actually really enjoy watching him. It was nice to see a, a player actually want the ball and when they did receive and know what to do with it. That sounds really good. It's always good, good to hear about players who we may not have often heard about. And I think most of our listeners maybe will miss it's English football. So, so that's one thing that we're conscious of is trying to bring up players which maybe people haven't heard of. And because it gets a bit boring, all, all the pods talking about the same players who we're linked to. We will talk, we'll talk about some um, players from the EFL, but most of the players that we're going to be talking about are ones that you may not have heard of. That's a great roundup. Thank you very much for that, Tom. No uh, so, so uh, Adam, do you have any questions for Tom on on that? Yeah, I was going to say, like roughly speaking, what would you say his sort of valuation would be if you could think of one? Like, I know that the the Dutch league is obviously a kind of undervalued league, and if he's a twenty eight year old in the last year of his contract for a team that aren't in the top, you know, four or five teams, then it's probably quite likely he won't be too expensive. But like, do you have a rough idea? And yeah, I'd probably say like be? two to three million. I think I did see Sunderland was linked with him. I think a couple of Turkish clubs. So. There will be a few clubs in for him, especially those who use data because he does show up so well on it. Um, but I think two to three million would probably probably get him. So low risk. Yeah, lo- low risk. Saying. Like I say, he's a bit older, but he doesn't he doesn't rely on any any like physical attributes. So even if they do decline a little bit, it won't it shouldn't affect him too much. So you still get a good three four years out of him. Yep, that sounds that sounds good. That sounds good. Low risk is always good. Uh, so next we'll move on to the one which I picked, and I decided to go with one who had a very fun name to pronounce. But <laughs> I have picked, I have practiced it a lot beforehand, so I'm hoping that I get it right. If he's listening, I apologize if I butcher it. But the guy I went for is called Marco Elima Harita, and he is from RSC Charleroi in the uh, Belgian Pro League. 
Um, he's 27 years old. Uh, he actually has 20 caps for Madagascar. So I would imagine he will be the first Madagascan national to play for Leeds. And who knows, possibly in the, in all the championship. I don't really hear of many of Madagascans in this league. So that's always a cute little thing. And he's the club captain at RSC Chalaroy. So that's always a good thing to show. He's got leadership in his game. He's got 163 league appearances for Chalaroy with eight goals and 12 assists across six seasons. And across those six seasons, he's pretty much been available for most of the games, which is always a good sign. He's been constantly available for a good six seasons now. Bearing in mind, the Belgian Pro League isn't a very lengthy league compared to some. It's currently 34 games in a season. However, it used to be only 29. It changed a few a few seasons ago from, from 29 to 34. So it's not a very lengthy league. So that is one possibility that he may struggle with the length of a championship season. So I'll get straight in there with one possible downside. But on to the good stuff. Um, he's very good with short to mid-range passes while being reasonable longer. Makes him an asset in build-up. His stats on that, he's got 48 short and medium passes per 90, which puts him in the 91st percentile with an 88% accuracy, which only puts him in the 6th-7th percentile. But I'm not too concerned about that because he's still above average for midfielders. And just to give a bit of an explainer about these percentiles, which some of our listeners may not be aware of, um, you can see these on places like FB Ref, and it gives you the rating of how they look against the rest of the players in their data set. So the data set that I use for this has 546 players across um, multiple different leagues, uh, which are comparable to the championships, so ones like the Swiss League, the Dutch League, the um, Championship and the Portuguese League and Belgium League. I think there was a one. Belgium League, of course. <laughs> but, yeah, where, where, where <laughs> he's from. I'm forgetting the league where he's from. But yes, um, so that's how they work. It basically, if someone's if this guy's in the 91st percentile, that means there's, there's only 8% of players who are above him in that data set. So he's better than 90% of the players in the data set based on the data. So I'm hoping that's a good explanation about what that is and should help people out a bit if you're a bit getting a bit confused. Um, when he's in possession, he does like to drop into the first line to aid with build-up. He slots in between the two centre-backs sometimes or even goes into the full-back areas when one of his full-backs gets forward. He was playing in um, a back three with a back three behind him. So the full-backs did tend to get high quite, quite often, so he would slot into those areas and to help out with build-up when, when needed which is always a good thing and something which um, Farker does like his defensive midfielder to do on occasion is just to help out and give a bit of space to make passes, which is something which he is very clever at doing. He knows when to move in space to separate from his marker, which is always a good thing, which makes him quite press resistant. And he's also got, got pretty good ball carrying skill. Um, I don't actually have his um, ball carrying data, but his dribbles, he, he puts up 2.5 per 90, which is quite reasonable for us as a central midfielder, which puts him into the 73rd percentile with 58% completion, which is the 70th percentile. So he's not only does a fair few true dribbles, he's also pretty accurate with them as well. So should mean that he won't be being dispossessed of them too often. He's not a physical specimen, really, but he does have a good amount of stamina. That's the best thing I can say about his physique. He's not overly strong. He's only five foot eight, I think. So he's not the tallest of, mid of midfielders, but he is very good with what he's got, though. And he's quite often seen late into a game, still putting out a good number of yards and still putting out good defensive contributions. 
And regards to his defensive work, he wins 61% of his defensive duels, which, funnily enough, puts him in the 61st percentile, which I thought was just a weird little quirk there when I was reading that data off. His actual, like, the amount of duels that he makes isn't that high. Um, six duels per 90, which is put, puts him in the 35th percentile. So it's kind of low as that. But he's not the busiest, but the system which he's in didn't really require him to be too busy defensively because he had a safety net of three centre-backs behind him. Um, that was pretty much his rest defence most of the time. And it meant that he didn't really have loads of defensive work to do. But I didn't see any concerns as to when... He was having to defend that he would struggle with it. He was clearly capable of, of defending. I think he would be able to cope with um, the physicality of English football. Uh, he's rarely injured, like I already alluded to earlier. Uh, transfer market shows nothing on his injury history at all. And so he's constantly been available across all six seasons so far for Chalero. He's got a good first touch, which is always a good thing to have when he receives a ball. He likes to open his body well and sometimes let the ball run behind him if he knows he's got space. He quite often does scan around him when, he, when his team are in possession, which really helps him to make sure that he's moving into space, which is there, and he's not going to run into another marker, which is always good. With regards to his leadership, as I've already alluded to a bit, he communicates a lot with his teammates. I can't speak to how effective that communication is. Um, all I can say that is that I do see it happening. You see him pointing quite often in different areas. You'll see him pointing to an area where someone else can pass to, so it's not just for our possession, it's in possession as well. And that's always a good thing to have and something which we could do with more in the central midfield area because the only senior one we've got in there at the moment is Adam Forshaw and um, we're not sure how much time he's going to be available. So having someone like him who is a communicator will, will be good. And regards to more on, his, on the ball play, he's a forward-thinking passer. He does like to, to pass the ball forward whenever he can. He puts up 16 forward passes per 90, which puts him into the 83rd percentile along with eight progressive passes per 90, which is 84th percentile. So he, although this position doesn't really require him to be progressive, he still has it in his locker. So it's potential that he could play a, a few different positions in a Farker midfield, because you've got the deep one who is not needs to be progressive, and then you've got the, the other central midfielder alongside him who is more progressive. So potential that he could play either of those roles, in my opinion. But I do think he probably would be best if he's kept in the build-up area, because that is where he's strongest at his... Um, trying to aid his team in possession, he's constantly ask, asking for the ball. So I, I did really enjoy watching him. He's a very fun player to, to watch. And despite how hard I found it pronouncing his name and the practice I put into it, I felt that was worth it. <laughs> and yeah, so that's about it. Have you got any questions about Mark for me? Yeah, I was going to quickly again ask just like roughly again, what would you see his price being? How many years does he have for his contract? If you know that and like, how much would you see a championship team like Leeds being able to pay for him? I don't think it would be a lot at all, to be honest. He's only got one year left from his contract. I don't think he'll be on big wages, so his wages shouldn't be a problem. Um, going off Charleroi's history with um, sales, they did, in the past, sell uh, Victor Osimhen to Lilt for $22 million. Um, but He's all right. Yeah, yeah he's a bit all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, um, but... Regards to the other players, I've seen them sell um, other midfielders around similar age to him. I've been selling for four or five million, um, so I can't put it higher than four to five million. I think, That's, especially with only a year left in his contract, I don't think it should cost loads to get him away. He's not really young with loads of potential, and that's generally what the players who they've sold for more money 
have gone for because um, Osim Hen was 20 when they sold him for 22 million. Um, they also sold Maxim Buzif to Palmer for 7 million. But yeah, the, most of the ones that sold for more have generally been y- younger players with potential. So someone like uh, of his sort of profile with one year left in his contract, it shouldn't be a lot really at all. Yes, indeed. Uh, so now we'll move on to the final one for, for this section, which would be Adam. So who do you want to talk about, Adam? So I've gone really boring, guys, because you've both gone for these like left field shouts in Europe. They're doing really fun things for like weird teams and stuff that we don't really watch much. And I've just gone for one of the best midfielders in the championship right now, Gustavo Hamer. And that is how you pronounce it. It's Hamer, not Hamer, um, just so you both know. Um, yeah, essentially, when I was looking for players, I wanted to look at players who I knew could do it at this level. And um, as much as your guys could probably translate well to championship football, and I imagine they probably would. I wanted just someone who's just ready to go straight away. Um, so he's a peak age player. I looked at most of the players between the age of 23 and 28. He's 26. Last season, he got 11 goals and 10 assists for Coventry, which is obviously incredible. He's probably their second best player after Victor Gierkerez. Um As for some of his attributes, he is definitely someone who's very vocal. He, uh, Kind of leads from the front in the sense that he's one of their best players. He always shows for the ball as well. He's not going to shy away from it, no matter what role he's played in. Um, essentially, he's an absolutely elite ball progressor in all facets of that. So that means dribbling and carrying the ball. Very, very good at that. He's also very good at passing and breaking lines. Um, so he's not necessarily like Pablo Hernandez type passer, but at the same time, he is constantly busy in the final third trying to make things happen. And I know I'm talking about the final third, but... I'll come on to why I think he could work deeper as well. Um, he's a player that's rarely ever injured. Um, he's in all three seasons with Coventry in the Championship. He's played over 40 games. Um, his injury record has been pretty exemplary. He's only had a few knocks here and there. Um, but yeah, I'll come on to why I think he he would be a player that could work in kind of any of the midfield roles under Farker, I guess. He's such a versatile midfielder in the sense that he has played for Coventry in the first couple of seasons as maybe more of a deeper midfielder. Um, to progress the ball up the pitch and to break up play, which he's really, really excellent at. Um, and in the first couple of seasons, he didn't score that many goals and get that many assists. He got a few from the deeper positions, but was more of a sort of defensive or central midfielder, box to box midfielder. But last season, they played him in this box midfield where he was playing as one of the sort of left or right number 10, um, linking up well with Gyrkarez, who would sort of play, pull the players around and he would just find space and he'd get in and he'd score goals he's he's really really good at arriving late onto the edge of the box which is why I don't think it's necessarily something he has to do as a sort of more of an attacking midfielder he could do that definitely in a deeper position I think if you start him deeper and you tell him to attack the box and you kind of give the other player next to him in the pivot a little bit more disciplined defensively and off the ball then that could really work and he could still see good goal and assist numbers from him um in those deeper roles in those early seasons particularly you kind of saw him doing a lot of the break play as i mentioned but he's also a physically really robust player even though he's quite short um so he really throws his body around he's he loves to sort of look after the ball and then when he doesn't have it he really loves to get stuck stuck in and, and attack players in that way um and yeah i kind of mentioned the goals and stuff like that but he's a an excellent ball striker so uh, whether that's shooting from range or inside the box he's he's got a real repertoire of, of kind of shots and and that's good um and that kind of lends itself to his passing as well which is which is pretty strong and as i mentioned he likes to arrive towards the edge of the box and think if anyone wants to look at a goal that, that sums him up when doing that you could either look at any of the goals essentially from the playoffs um he scored two for coventry in the playoffs one against middlesbrough in particular kind of shows what he's about in in the sense of arriving late into the box and getting good shots away 
Um, so I think that all of that is why I think he'd be a really, really good midfield profile to add into our team. Um, there are a few weaknesses that I will go into now, which is that he has pretty poor discipline in the games he has missed. I usually do to either red cards, straight red cards, or an accumulation of yellows. He tends to do that in a season, and I think we probably would see him get suspended at least once if we signed him, because that is sort of what he does every season. Um, as I mentioned, He's only uh, five foot seven, so there's a little bit of a height issue, and he's not very good aerially either. He he will again throw himself about. He'll he'll challenge for things, but it's not his strength, and that is certainly maybe an issue. But if you pair him with maybe a Darko JB, who's really really tall, um, then I think he'd he'd work really well. He's not the fastest, but he I wouldn't say he's not athletic. He does have a good engine, for example, but he's not stupidly fast either. Um, he's kind of got decent running power in the sense that once he gets up to top speed, he He's quite a powerful runner, but he's not a fast runner, I wouldn't say. Um, so that's a bit of an issue as well. And then there's another thing that came up on the data set, which I'll go into in a second, which is his pass accuracy is is quite low. And for some people, that, that will ring alarm bells. But I think with a player like Harmer, you kind of have to overlook it and you have to say, you know what, it's because he is just an absolutely unreal ball progressor and he does try risky things. So just to, to reel off a few of the stats of, of why I think he's just such a well-rounded player that, that would be really good to add is he's ranking in the 75th percentile for dribbles per 90 with 2.6 uh, of those they are 76% of the percentile as success um he is a really really forward progressing passer as we've mentioned he's 94th percentile for that with around 19 per 90 um he's also a player that puts up a lot of expected assists so i know he only got 10 assists last season but he put up a 7.17 um expected assists per 90 last season which was in the 92nd percentile he um, loves to pass into the final third and smart passes per 90 he had 1.2 and key passes per 90 he had 0.4 which are in the 75th and 80th percentile respectively and uh, pass into the final third per 90 was 10 which is the 94th percentile and progressive pass per 90 was again 10 96th percentile which is obviously insanely high and then like I mentioned he's he's quite physically robust and will put himself about so he's still ranking really well for jewels um, and per 90 in the 91st percentile Um why do I think he'd be a good player? And I essentially think it because, well, of all this, but also because I think in any of the three midfield positions for Fark, I think he'd work really well. So he could play as the six. I think that'd be the worst of the three, but I think he could do it. And I think he would help with build up. Obviously, there is that issue with pass accuracy, as I mentioned, but you could probably teach him to just recycle the ball a little bit more. I think in the first seasons with Coventry, he was probably doing that more anyway. He's, he's probably become a more progressive midfielder as the seasons have gone by. Um, I think the best two positions for him would either be as the eight, which where he could get about. And I think he, like I said, has the engine to do so and the sort of well-rounded physical profile and technical profile to do so. And I think he'd work really well there and arriving late into the box and getting involved in attacks. And if you have a really disciplined player next to him, I think that that would work really, really well as like a dovetailing pair. And then he'd also work as the number 10, which we're obviously going to come on to talk about a bit later. But he, I'm cheating with him because he fits both roles and I think Farker would love him in that position because he would be able to press from the front. He will get involved in those duels and things like that. But also he is just such an elite ball progressor at this stage that I think he'd be a really, really good pickup for us. Um, he has one year left in his deal and we've already been linked a little bit to him, but not for a while now. Um, there will be a lot of people saying, well, isn't this guy Premier League ready already? I would argue that yes, he is. But I think he's someone you could definitely convince to do another season at championship level for a team that are going to be at the top end of the division or dominating or whatever. Um, so I think that there's a, a 
possibility that you could get him for that reason. And yeah, so I I would pay the money. I think he'd probably be more expensive than your two. Um, I would say. I think you're looking at probably at least 10 million with a year left on his contract, possibly as much as 15, but I don't think it'll be too much more than that. It won't be too much beyond that. Um, and yeah, I, I think he'd be great as well, not just because I think he's Premier League ready, but that is a huge benefit to us, a peak edge player who we think if we got promoted would be straight away a player we wouldn't have to upgrade upon. Like I think some of the players that come out in this series for us might be players we think are just good enough to get us out of the division rather than players that are definitely going to be there, you know, when we go up into the Premier League. Where I think Harmer is someone who you can basically rely on as being a really good player, even in the Premier League towards the bottom end. I think he'd be absolutely fine and hold his own. So yeah, I, he's a player I, I want least to sign this summer. Probably top of my list if I could think of a list of players I really want in every position. He'd be number one, I think. That sounds fantastic. He is a player that I've been interested in, and mainly because of his very impressive numbers from midfield. Uh, he's puts puts up so, so much good stuff, uh, goal contributions wise. I think I'd probably say my only concern is how he would transition to a to a possession based team, because um, Coventry aren't that really, are they? No, they're more transitional, but yeah. at the same time, I do think that his passing can be safer. So, like the the accuracy numbers will probably like alarm people. I think if I have it to hand, it's accurate long passes is in the twenty second percentile, which is obviously quite low, mm. and even accurate and short, um, accurate short and medium passes are in the bottom sort of seven or eight percentile. So that's not great, but I think that with Leeds. Um, I think he could learn that. And I think in the early seasons at Coventry, this is last season's data, I don't think it would look as, as terrible. I haven't actually looked at it, but I don't think it would. I think in that regard, he'd be more than fine. I think it's because he tries things. Yeah. I think with, with someone like Kevin De Bruyne, I know this is a, a huge leap, but just bear with me. He essentially doesn't put up good pass accuracy numbers and it's because he tries to make the play ticking over and, and tries to make things happen. And I think Harmer would be absolutely fine. Like I said, I'd, I'd prefer him probably a little bit further forward rather than in build-up, but I don't think it'd be an issue if, if you needed him to play out of a press or whatever. I think his touches are pretty tight and his, his dribbling's pretty good. So I think his, his sort of press resistance is, is absolutely more than fine that he could do it. But it's, I know why it's a concern based on Coventry's play style. Yeah, that was my only concern, and you've answered that great. Um, I'd probably agree with you that it maybe would probably suit one of the two, well, they have the either the box to box or the more 10, which will go on to why um, well, it's not really a traditional 10. But yeah, I think yeah, <laughs> I think it'd fit either of those two well. And I think the fee for him would probably be worth worthwhile, um, considering it's a player that we'd know who would straight away be able to adapt to the league. Maybe a little of adapt- adaptation to move to a more possession-based system that may take him a little bit of time, but I think it'd be worth it, personally. But yeah, that's great. Um, just moving on to other players who we did, because there was quite a lot of players who came up in, during my data search, and I'll just talk briefly about some of these guys. Um, so we've got a Yari Black from FC Emmen. He showed up very well, as did Imran Loser in Wat- Watford. I'm probably saying that Loser incorrectly no, that's correct. Right? he's a really yeah he's a, he's a really really nice like progressive midfielder from those deep positions definitely yeah good stuff and then there's Ben Sheaf from Coventry as well so he's a teammate of his can you speak about him when they will have watched him we're watching Hammer um, yeah he's probably their third best player to be honest and he is a little bit more controlled in possession that yeah. maybe doesn't try as much of the sort of chaotic stuff in the final third is more of a tempo player so if you wanted a bit more of a foreshore but he's really quite tall and he'd probably be your guy um, 
he's really well thought of in the championship. He's really well liked. So yeah. he wouldn't be a bad pickup either. And again, like signing players from potential rivals for promotion is also a good thing. I, I should have mentioned that, but that's obviously another one with Chief that, that is applicable. And with loser Watford, it's applicable he, as well. I think he showed up as one of the comparable players to, to Hay on um, FBRF. So there's that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that that would stand out quite quite well, and so the, some other players was uh, Rafael Guzzo in FC Vizela in the um, Portuguese Primeira Liga. He I actually kind of half watched a lot of his games because um, the one I'm talking be talking about for my next section is also from FC Vizela. So yeah, he, he was another fun player. And then the final one who I want to mention is a Sondre Tronstad, who has actually recently been bought by Blackburn from Vitesse. So that really put my mind at ease that the players that I'm looking at are being looked at by championship clubs, cl- right clubs as well. As well yeah. Exactly, exactly. So that put my mind at ease that this my data isn't worthless. <laughs> do you have um, Do you have anyone else to mention, Tom? Um, no, that you really liked. No. <laughs> no. Okay, I had one other player, which was Ardon Jashari, plays for FC Luzerne. He's a really, really nice player in build up. He's already really physical. He's 21, and he's already a Swiss international, which is giving me a little bit of flashbacks to um, Willie Nanto, to be honest, in terms of how he's progressed quite quickly in his career. But he'd be a he'd be a really good player in that that six position. Good stuff. So you've had to digest quite a lot of players there, um, but we're going to be talking about even more now. So I hope you're ready for lots more discussion. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So the next is the, we'll say attack-minded midfielders rather than saying attacking midfielders. And I'll just explain that a bit more um, because the way Daniel Farker doesn't really use a traditional number 10. Um, the way his midfield ends up being set up when he's in possession, it ends up looking more of a 4-3-3. Three, three. It begins, it's 4-2-3-1 when he's, when he's not on the ball, but it ends up being 4-3-3 three, three in possession because the 10 will drop a little bit deeper and f- form a two-man with the other pivot who will get a little bit further forward. So it ends up being a 4-3-3. Three, three. So you end up with one deeper six and two eights. Um, one who's a little bit more, I want to say defensive, but not quite as attacking as, as the other side. And we have one who is more attacking and both of them doing a good equal share of progression. And so both of these profiles are actually very similar in nature. Um, both, both of them 
have to be capable attackers and capable defenders because, like I said before, the workload is shared quite evenly across all the midfielders. You didn't really notice any one player who was standing out more than the others in Farkas Norwich. Yeah, you end up having a few who had quite a big share of it. So these are quite a fun profile to, to look at, really. Uh, so we'll go to back to Tom Wilson. Um, so who was your selection for this position, Tom? So my player is probably more the the middle eight, and he's, he's probably a little bit more defensive. I probably would need a 10 that is a bit more attacking and the creativity to come from elsewhere. Um, it might be a player people are familiar with because he, he is a Brighton player. Um, and it's Steven, I think it's pronounced El Zate. Um, he yes. spent last season in Belgium on loan to Standard Liège. Um, he's 24, but obviously he's got experience playing in the Premier League. And he also has experience playing in the lower divisions with Leighton Orient and Swindon. So I think dropping to the Championship would be, would be, would be fine for him. Um, he's, like I say, he's 24, so he fits into that age bracket of players between 24 and 28, which are straight away the tick for me. Um, in terms of his data, his, his general stats were very good. He only got two goals and five assists, which isn't amazing, but equally it's not awful. I think this is a part of his game that I can probably improve, um, but his roles maybe dictated these stats a little bit. Um, other stats include 2.11 dribbles per night with, with a success rate of 62.5%, which puts him in the top 10% in terms of success rate. It is a big part of his game, his, um, his dribbling his, and his close ball control. Um, he put 7.51 defensive duels up, which is actually more than my defensive midfielder pick. So, like I said, I did look at him as a pair more than individually and how they work as a pair. So, they would be able to do the defensive work between them. He isn't as progressive as um, Hay with the ball, but he's still putting up above average um, numbers in terms of progression stats. I think the standout one for me and the one that will become clear when I talk about the eye test is 45.42 short and medium passes with an accuracy of 91.43%. Um, in terms of his physical profile, he's, he's around 5'9", and again, he's a fairly average build for his size. This isn't something that affects him, though. He's got a good balance, and he's, he's quite tenacious in, in duels. He did have ankle surgery in 2001, but has since been available, so it doesn't look like it's something that's going to be an issue. Um, probably the standard attribute in terms of physical profile is his pace. I think for a central midfielder, is is really mobile. He can get away from players and he can catch players up. In possession, he played a number of different roles last season for Standard Edge, mainly in a midfield two, which stayed pretty flat, but also as a second receiver when they played a back three. So this role is probably the, the role I enjoyed watching him most in. And I thought that with Hay, if they worked as a pair, Hay would drop into former back three and he'd be the one in front of them, which would suit him his position best because the one in front of Hay at Herivin were the one who just um, kept kept play ticking and that's the sort of role that he's probably best in. Um, he likes to receive under pressure and he, he turns out of it really well. He's, he's always scanning, um, which allows him to know where the opposition are and, when, and where the space is to turn into. It does, when he receives the ball and he, and he turns away, he does it in in almost one one nice movement, which allows his second touch to, to be away from away from his body so that he can drive into space or he can um, get ready to, uh, to pass the ball. He's not having to like re- redo his steps before he passes. Um, further up the pitch, he's good at linking up play with uh, like quick quick one-twos in congested areas. I think this is where he probably use, utilizes his ball control to join the the opposition and then pass it around him and move. He's, he's very pleasing on the eye. Like he's very fluid in his movements. I wouldn't say he's a midfielder who's going to drop deep 
pick the ball up and play long passes or punch passes through the lines, more someone who just keeps play ticking over. He's, he's, he's very he's very foreshore like and he's probably a player that if we don't have foreshore staying so it would be one that would offer that sort of profile. Um, he shuttles nicely across the pitch. He offers he's always offering um, support ball side. Maybe one of his weaknesses is passing range. Is, it is quite quite limited, but probably more in terms of variety rather than his his ability. I do recommend watching some of his clips on YouTube because you can see how press resistant he is. Um, like I say, it's just really it's, it's just really nice. It's uh, nice to watch on the eye. Um, I do think there's good value in having someone who. Who will just put the foot on the ball and calm things down? That's definitely something that we've we've not had for a number of years. Um, out of possession, probably somewhere that something that surprised me how how good he was. He's very smart, smart presser. He's got a good awareness of what's around him, and he cuts off passing passing lanes in his cover shadow quite well. In theory, it shouldn't surprise me because he played he played under Potter at Brighton, but it still did. Um, he's he's very active defender. Gets around the pitch really well. He's quite he's quite patient in his defending. He tends to Tends to apply pressure and waits for the right moment to um, to get his foot in. His recovery speed and sensing danger around the box is also is also very good. In terms of I've got pros and cons. He's got one year left on his deal at Brighton. He's is approaching an age where he needs regular game time. And with Brighton being in Europe, I don't think I don't think he'll get that there. I know this. I know they're selling a few a few midfielders or, or they've sold a few midfielders, but they've also signed a few and they've also been linked with with a few others. Um, he came close to joining West Brom. Couple of seasons ago in January, but for whatever reason that that move fell through. So I think there will be plenty of interest from other Championship teams. So and we should we should be one of them. Sounds excellent. Yeah, the, I, I do. I did like the look of him. You showed me a couple of his clips when you were doing the scouting, and I did really like what I saw. And your comparison to Forshaw that sounds spot on from what I saw on those as well. So that that would be good. <clears> it's <throat> also a possibility that we may be able to get him on loan. Because um, it was on loan last season, wasn't it? So yeah, it's only got, it's only got one year left on his deal. Ah, so that's a possibility we could loan him for the for the final year and then buy him straight after that. Potentially, if, yeah, if, if he's done well. So, well, I know Brighton they was interested in Adams, wasn't they? So maybe maybe something we can do there. <laughs> possibility <laughs> that is a, that is a possibility if um, we do want to sell Adams, as there is rumours that we are looking to keep hold of him and build a team around him. However, that would look for building a new team around a ball-winning midfielder. But there you have it. Um, we'll see how that progresses. Um, how much do you reckon he'd be worth then, Tom? If he's in the last year of his deal? I'd probably say five million, just because he does have. He is approaching a good age, and he has got that prem experience. So that probably will come. That, that bright, yeah, tax. that probably will come out a bit of a premium. But I don't think they can offer. I don't think they can want too much with him only having that one year left. So I think he probably will leave this summer. It's. It's always a good sign when a player's like come through Brighton, in my opinion, and especially in the last four or five years. So it's, it's definitely someone I was aware of as well, but I haven't watched him. Yeah, he's like a good player, though. Yeah, he will be. He will be a good pickup for whoever does game. Um, we'll move on to Adam's pick. Adam, who was you wanting to talk about? Well, like I said, my my top pick for both is Harmer. So I had to think of something else, and I, I just wanted to to kind of fuck shit up a bit and I just wanted to be like right well why not just get a really good creator and play two more defensive players behind them I know that Fark in general as we've mentioned on this podcast before prefers his creative player to be the right winger um, 
rather than the actual number 10. Number 10 is more of a sort of 8 that drops in sometimes to play as an 8 and sometimes pushes up to be a 10. Um, so players that can do it in between, like Harmer, are perfect for that. But I wanted to play someone, I wanted to choose someone who could do like more natural 10 stuff, especially for like games where we're going to be like more ball dominant. I think this is probably important. And I picked this player because he, I think he can play a couple of roles. And I think that that makes it more tempting for me to say we should do it. I think in games where we're playing against a low block, um, he'd be really good as the 10. And I think if we're playing maybe in a harder game, maybe away from home or something like that, you could play him as a right winger instead. And that is a player that a lot of people are probably aware of, probably more than Harmer even, which is uh, Mateus Pereira, formerly of West Brom. Um, obviously, he is not a number eight. And I'll come on to whether I think I, he could actually sort of do that role out of possession, uh, sorry, in possession or whatever. But he obviously can operate really, really well as a number 10. He'd be essentially our new Pablo, who we've never really replaced. And Farkas Buendia, I guess. And I know Buendia largely played off the right. So that's why I'm choosing Pereira. Um, he got 11 goals and six assists when he was last in England in the Premier League. And the season before that in the Championship, he was absolutely outstanding. He got eight goals and 20, yes, 20 assists. So he's basically a creative god. Um, he's really, really good in terms of his dribbling and carrying ability. Again, really, really good. Close control. Keeps the ball tight to him. Good at springing out of that when he needs to with a bit of pace. Really, really good progressive passer. Um, in terms of entries into the box, excellent. Again, good crossing ability. Not that Fark is huge on crossing, but I think that he could be a player that finds that sort of right half space and then plays sort of longer passes in towards the back post or in surrounds the penalty spot. I think that would be a really good way he could work. At the same time, if you play him in that right half space, he'll cut in and he will be deadly off his left foot. He can shoot really, really well from range. Um, sort of mentioned his his sort of passing range and stuff, but I think he's also quite a good tempo player in the sense that he can play in the chaos and when everything is quite erratic around him and in transition, he will be absolutely outstanding in that sense. But I think he's also patient enough if you need him to be to just keep the ball moving in the box and, and around the box and just sort of bounce one twos off him like he can spring out of stuff and he can up it or or down sort of like downturn the um that speed of the attack if he needs to um i think one thing i would say is that and again i am cheating with this because he he could be in the wingers video uh, in the wingers podcast that we do um but with the uh, Fox teams, Buendia and Hoffman at um, Mönchengladbach and at Norwich were his two primary creators on the right-hand side and they were right-footed and obviously Pereira is a little bit different to that. But I think that he'd still operate in the same areas in terms of the half spaces and I don't think it would look far too different and I think that you'd still get a lot of the exact same sort of creativity and progression out of him and he, he essentially remember when Pablo played as a, a right winger in Bielsa's system he'd find the same sort of areas where he would just drift inside and just have sort of a free roaming role where he can just pick up pockets in the middle in the number 10 spots as well so I think yeah he'd be pretty much excellent for us and at the same time we know he's championship proven he's a 27 year old now he's playing in I believe it's Saudi Arabia with Al-Hilal it might be Qatar I can't remember that sounds awful for me um, and that's obviously a bit of an issue because he's going to be on high wages at the same time we signed Pablo Hernandez from the Middle East and initially on loan and he eventually came to us permanently after that and I think a player who's kind of lost his way a bit in the Middle East come back to Europe on loan and then be bought if we get promoted would be a really smart move from us and he would yeah he would work in both positions the frustration for me with this was that I picked Pereira before we knew that it was probably going to be Farker and now that he is coming in he doesn't make quite as much sense but like I say, I think in games when you're against a deep block and you really need to be dominant, he'd be excellent. Um, 
in terms of his role potentially as a number eight, I think out of possession, he's not particularly defensively strong or minded. Like he will put himself about in the sense that he's quite energetic and he doesn't like shirk running and, and sort of pressing and all of that. But at the same time, I don't think he's like defensive minded and maybe he would be a player that would, we'd sort of like get overrun by the opposition around his sort of area of the pitch because he's not like strong in the tackle. He's not physically really like aggressive and robust and strong. So I think that that would potentially be an issue. But in terms of like build up play, he has no like issue dropping in and stuff like that. So I think as a number 10, he could definitely work. And um, in terms of dropping into sort of more of a 4-3-3 shape and, and becoming one of the number eights again. So yeah, I, I don't think that's generally an issue. Um, and yeah, another player who would be able to make the step up to the Premier League, which is why I liked him. And because of the, the fact he can play a couple of roles, I, I think there's a position for him within this team. Like if we lose a lot of our wingers, which at the moment there's quite a lot of rumours surrounding all of them, <laughs> there's definitely a, a place for Pereira in the squad. And, and that's why I, I would love to have him. And he'd be essentially straight away one of the best creative players in the entire division. And that's what you need to have in your team in order to go up. I do like all of your reasons there. And he's a player that I did always like watching um, for West Brom. And he was a player who was even picked quite heavily when Big Sam took over at West Brom, wasn't he? So, and so, so obviously Big Sam is known for defensive football. And so if he was happy to have him in the squad, he can't be that badly of a defensive liability to not be able to do his part as an eight, I think. I think that, I yeah. I agree with that. I just I think that some people like to use the phrase luxury player, and I still think you could probably put him in that bracket, even though he does have that off the ball stuff a little bit. I still think he'd be seen as that that sort of luxury playmaker player that you want. But that that's the thing. I like home against teams that are like just going to sit in on us and and look to frustrate. He'd essentially be one of the best players in the division in that in that sort of low block. So yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that happening. And how much do you think he would he would come to us for? Well, like I said, he's on big wages, so I would potentially look for a loan with an option to buy. Um, I don't actually know what his contract situation is. I should look that up, sorry. Um, but he would probably cost sort of 10 million. I'd, he hasn't done great out in the Middle East, so it's, I'm unsure of like how much they would want to keep him. And he's, like I said, they might want to get rid because he's on a big wage. But that's why I say like a loan and an option to buy if we get promoted would probably be the best thing that we could do. And I think that that's feasible. And then his wages are not as much of an issue because maybe we don't pay them all. And maybe only if we go up, do we offer him like a, a decent contract to sort of like match that or come close to matching that. No, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. And especially now with there being a bit of an exodus of playing players going over to Saudi Arabia, they may be looking at players who will, will be replacing him. So he could be one who they are looking to move on. So yeah, it's a potential return to England for him, whether it's with us or, or, or with somebody else. I'm sure he will be an in-demand player because of how well he does know the English leagues and people will know that he'll be able to handle the physicality with no problem. That's great. Thank you for that, Adam. And the final one who I want to talk about is someone who is a lot easier to say for his name, thankfully for me. And his name is simply Samu. And he, if that's quite a, a known name for us, so it's not that Samu Saiz, it's not him. It is, he plays for FC Vizela in the Liga Primera in Portugal. He has 109 appearances for FC Vizela with 18 goals and 18 assists across four seasons with them. 
and it also included him helping them win promotion from Liga Portugal 2 in 2021. So he's a player who knows what it takes to get promoted, basically. So that's always a good thing to have, someone who knows about getting promoted. And yeah, that's always a good thing. I like, I really enjoy watching Samu. He's a really interesting player to watch. He's so flexible positionally. I mean, most, most games he started out of the 10. And, but you know, when, when you see attacking midfielders drop deeper to help, help out with build up. That's what he loves to do a lot. He would drop it, drop deep, and sometimes even swap positions altogether with one of, with one of these central midfielders, and they'd stay in central midfield for, for a while, building up play and doing that that kind of thing. So he's comfortable both in the attacking midfield position and in the deeper areas, which is something which Farker would love in these sort of mid players because he likes players to contribute to all areas of the pitch when they're in central midfield areas, especially with the 10. They do drop a lot deeper than what you'd expect most 10s to do. So it's always a good thing. And that, and that positional flexibility is not just um, in possession, it's also out of possession as well. And Because in, in one game, so as an example, in the first 30 minutes, I saw him pressing as a striker, I saw him pressing as an attacking midfielder, I saw him pressing as a left midfielder. So he just really doesn't care where he's pressing from. He just loves to get all around the pitch. And that could be something which the coach at FC Vizella was encouraging. Maybe you've got players who are comfortable playing in multiple positions, so he does encourage that. But I do think it's more of a trait of his that he does like to get involved in as much of the play as he can, which is something I do love to see in an attacking midfielder. And But when he is deeper, um, what I like, he uses a lot of one-two movements to break opposition lines from deep. So he'll do the old give and go and he'll get the ball forward, move it to a winger, burst forward with a little bit of pace and look to receive the ball back, which is always a good, good way of breaking past lines and it can be helpful for breaking down low blocks as well. In um, regards to his off-the-ball work, he is has a lot of stamina. He's just... He puts on so much work off the ball and he's in some, some high percentiles for the position. He puts out 8.8 .8 defensive joules per 90, which puts him in the 92nd percentile. So he's really high defensively, which is a great thing which Farker will love. I absolutely love him. But he's he's got a lower percentage when it comes to um, winning joules, only 59%, but that still puts him around the 49th percentile, so it's not Below, not massively below average, only one percentile below average, but it's not a concern really. Uh, he's a, a pretty creative player. Uh, he's, his expected assist numbers put him in the 77th percentile, which is reasonably good because he does drop deep a lot. So to say he's affecting playing deeper areas, he still manages to get forward quite often to affect play in that way. And I think also because he's in a team who have not long been in the top league in, in Portugal, he's probably playing a little bit deeper than he'd like because in the, in the season when he, he got promoted with them, he had eight goals and eight assists. So that shows that he is, he is capable of um, affecting games further up the field and be more productive when it comes to goals and assists. So that's always another good thing. He receives very well with both feet mostly. And did notice the odd laps when he goes to his weaker foot, his right foot. But I also did notice quite a lot of times when he did receive it well with his right foot. So it's not something which I would say was a, an issue. 
Um, he scans a lot both in and out of possession, and that's what I think aids his um, defensive work is how much he does scan out of possession. He seems to be quite aware of what's going on around him, which really does help him to spot problems before they come. And if, if you see someone breaking free from marker, he'll quickly dart back to help them out and win the ball. And that's something I always like to see in an second player, someone who is putting themselves about and helping out his deeper players. In um, regards to deeper build-up, he likes to, again, drop into the first line and also around the full-back areas. He just literally gets everywhere. It just If you looked at his heat map, it, it would just be all over the pitch, I tell you. And that's something which I think would really love. Um, and, yeah, I just really enjoyed watching Samu. He's just such a, a unique player. It's not someone you, often you see on attacking midfielder who does get as deep as what he, he does. And considering that's what Farker likes his attacking midfielders to do, I think he would be a perfect choice for him. And he's also very good progressively as well. He gets the ball forward quite often um, with 6.9 progressive passes per 90. He puts him into the 71st percentile. And he's also in the 79th percentile for smart passes as well, um, which is just, I'm not exactly 100% sure what smart passes are, but I think they are just a way of, of finding players in different spaces, harder passes to make, which he doesn't seem to find, breaking through lines and those sort of passes. So he's good at finding gaps, which will help with breaking down low blocks, which we will probably face quite a few of in the champion in the championship. So, so it's a good thing to see. With regards to his downsides, he's not the best at dribbling past players. He doesn't really put up many dribbles per 90. So it's not a player who you'll see dribbling past players. So we could do with pairing him with someone who is able to break through with dribbles because that would be one of his weaknesses is um, running past players. But when it comes to actually carrying the ball, he's pretty smooth with that. He can, he can carry the ball well. It's just what I didn't often see him trying to dribble past players. But that could just be, like I said before, because he is in a team which is relatively weak in the division. So um, and possibly against lower tier players, he may be a bit more progressive in, in, in his dribbling and may try to do it a bit more often. But yeah, I, I just really liked watching him. Um, and regards to how much he would cost, he's also going into the last year of his deal. And I, that wasn't even intentional. I've only just checked it before we started. So it just, just so happens that all these players who we've brought up so far have been into the last years of the deal, which is always helpful. And I don't think he would cost a lot. Um, FC Vizella, I think their record is about 800,000. So they've never sold anyone for more than a million. So I wouldn't imagine he would cost it. Since he's a quite key player for them, he's been around for a few years, maybe one or two million, I think he would cost. So he would be a low risk option and someone who I think would definitely be able to adapt to the, to English football with how good he is out of possession. He would definitely be able to adapt in my opinion. Anyone got any questions? Is what is is his club side? I'm guessing same as what you asked Adam earlier about how do you think he'd do in a side that's going to have possession. Uh, well, the team he was in did um, quite often have possession okay. um, against. Uh, yeah, so it wasn't like he was in a team who were um, transitional. Um, they were transitional against the bigger sides in the league. So your Porto's and Benfica's, they will have played more traditional ball there. But a lot of the rest of the teams in the division are a lot lower tier than those top four in Portugal so there's quite a big gap in between the sides so against the rest of the, the division they were able to hold possession quite well and so yeah he was very good at doing in possession work and being in a possession based system I think he would fit very well but yeah and 
I think that's about all I want to mention for the players who we've watched in detail, um, but regards to players who we haven't talked about, and there's one in particular who will stand out as an option for any team you know, who want, who's wanting to break out of the championship, and that is Ilias Chair. And I think most people may be aware of him if you watch a lot of EFL, but he's just been totally on another level to a lot of midfielders in, in the league in the 10th spot. And I, I think Adam quite likes him, don't you, Adam? Yeah, he's a player I really like. And he's already been linked with Leicester to replace Madison. Like, obviously, he's not going to be James Madison, who would have essentially been one of the best players in the league, if not the best. But he would be, like, chair would be a decent replacement and would certainly give a lot of the output that Madison had in the championship and at that level. And he, he's been putting up decent numbers for QPR last season, despite them languishing at the bottom end of the table, for especially the second half of the season. Uh, he's only got two years left in his contract. He's about 24 or 25 off the top of my head. And yeah, he's essentially just ready for that step up. And I think all his numbers would sort of increase in a team which has more of the ball, who dominates more of the ball, he'd be absolutely perfect against low blocks. He is more of a natural 10, even as a winger. But I think if I compare him to, let's say, to Pereira, he's maybe not quite as elite in terms of ball progression as Pereira, but he's probably a little bit better off the ball. Um, so maybe he is a better shout. And he is someone who you just know is like ready in the championship and he's going to be towards the top end. And yeah, it would just make a lot of sense. He'd probably cost around 10 million, I think is the sort of price being talked about at the moment. Um, and he would just be like perfect for, for a number of teams towards the top end of the division who need a, a sort of slightly undervalued player because he's now at the bottom end of QPR, doesn't really suit their system, he's running out of contract and I think that there's quite a few teams that be looking looking to get him in like an opportunistic deal. Yeah, uh, I agree with all that and his um, numbers by the data look very interesting as well. Um, I noticed that his passes attempted, he attempts quite a lot of passes for an attacking midfielder, um, 47 per 90, which is pretty high for an attacking midfielder. So that's always a good thing. Uh, shot creating actions, he's in the 91st percentile for that. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, and XG assisted, 89th percentile, 0.28 per 90, which is pretty high. <laughs> so yeah, that's another thing we'll be able to rely on him creatively. Um, the only thing which maybe worries me about is his defensive numbers look a little bit low, um, but it's potential because QPR aren't really a high-pressing side, really, are they? So he probably wouldn't be... Not under Ainsworth, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah, so the, um, that's probably something which will explain why his defensive stats don't look as high as what some may do, but because he's not being asked of that. Um, I've not, I don't, I'll be honest, I've not really watched too much of him directly. Um, I've watched a few, few highlights of him and he just does look very fun to watch. And... Yeah, and I think he's going to be on the wish list for a number of sides in, in our division and possibly even some lower Premier League sides, maybe the ones who are going up, maybe even could be looking at him. But yeah, he's definitely someone who most people should be talking about as ready to make that step up, like you said, Alan. Cool. And Tom, is there anyone else you like wanted to discuss? Did you have anyone else you had your eye on that you nearly picked as your first choice? Um, the only other player I... I wanted to go for, but he, he said he was staying at his club. Where is, is it Ludovic Reese? <laughs> is that was pronounced at, um, at Hamburg. Yeah, uh, I, I would have loved him, but when when we started looking, I think he announced that he would be staying at Hamburg despite them not getting promoted last season. Um, Fabian Delft said the same for Aston Villa, and then John yeah, Man well, City a few weeks later. Don't rule well, it just, out. Just looking on <laughs> transfer mark now, and he is he is a Wasserman, so you know never rule it, never, <laughs> never rule it out. It could happen, so. <laughs> I think I think if he went to Hamburg and offered them 
good money. I think as a club, they probably would accept it. Um, but it depends if him as a player would. But yeah, he's definitely one who, again, I just, just tell people to watch him on YouTube and then that'll do all the talking. And two more I had in mind were Finn Azaz, who plays for, uh, well, played for Plymouth on loan last season in League One. Um, winger or attacking midfielder, really, really good for like progression numbers again. Really, really good player. Um, and kind of is that sort of bracket player that needs a move in the league above to test himself and probably is more than good enough as well. He's, he's a good age. Um, would love to get him permanently, but I imagine Villa are going to loan him again. And another one was Aaron Ramsey, who I would loan from Middlesbrough if I had the chance to as well. Uh, really, really, well, he was at Aston, he's at Aston Villa. He was at Middlesbrough on loan last season. Um, again, really, really good, uh, attacking midfielder would, would really suit our system. He is the younger brother of Jacob. He is really, really talented himself and would be another good pickup. I think you have a few more, Martin, that you just wanted to honourable mention. Uh, yeah, well, there's one in particular who, um, I watched a lot of when I was watching, um, Marco Elima Harita. Um, his midfield partner, um, Adam Zorgain, he was a very fun player alongside him. Um, he was the one who was getting more further forward out of the midfield pair. And he, he scored four goals and got eight assists last season in Belgium Pro League. And that was from being a part of a double pivot. So that's quite a fair amount of numbers for someone who is in central midfield. And I did really like him. He was just basically more progressive version of Marco basically he just uh, he got about gets the ball forward quite a lot and he would look to affect play more around the box than his midfield partner did so he was another player who was potential I was thinking about, about doing him as well because it would have just made it really easy for me because I could just watch the same games for both him and Marco but I ended up not being lazy and picking someone different um, and some other honourable mentions um, Adam mentioned one there Aaron Ramsey was another one who came up really good in the data and uh, there was Khan Boskadan at FC Utrecht he was another one who looked very good in the data as did Teddy Tuma at Union San Gilar and finally Karel Eiting at Volendam in Eredivisie um, he was Tom likes him as yeah, well he was, <clears throat> yeah he was one who you watched a little, a little bit Tom on it before you end up picking yeah the only reason I didn't go from the end of his side I think were lowest in the league for possession didn't have a lot of the ball and a lot of his like his, his numbers creative wise were, were extremely good but a lot of them did come from set pieces. Um, I mean, it, it played it, a lot of his assists also came from like central areas. Used to play some nice, nice balls over the top. So I, I, I did nearly go for him. But I just didn't know how he would would cope being inside. That's more possession based. I mean, his his upbringing was at Ajax, so he's clearly got he's got the technical the quality to do so. But yeah, just his team having such low possession numbers in the end just put put me off how he would transition into a team with with more possession. Yeah, that's good stuff. Good stuff all. So that is everything for this scouting pod. I hope you've all enjoyed it. Um, we've got a few more of these coming up, so if you like them, then we've got next week we're going to be talking about left-backs and centre-backs. And I'm going back on there, and it's going to be uh, Dan, who's going to be coming back for that one. He's really looking forward to this one. And also is Tom Hostigundle. So the, that's the other, other Tom <laughs> of the many Toms we have involved in this pod. Um, there's also something else which I want to mention is that the Patreon is going to be coming back for this coming season. So look out for that. We will be launching it um, maybe a week or so before the season starts, maybe a few weeks before. And we'll have plenty of good stuff for you on that. We'll be doing the usual 
things, uh, putting things out out via written content as well as pods with ad-free bonuses and bonus pods as well, potentially bringing back the under-21s podcast. So there's a lot of good stuff involved in that, so keep an eye on that. Um, but yes, that is everything for today. First of all, I'd like to thank Adam. Thank you very much. I'm just delighted this podcast is back, this this particular show, because it's my it was my favourite one when John Hobbsy and uh, Joe Donoghue, actually, of the Yorkshire Evening Post, were doing it. So I'm really, really glad to be back. Thanks for having me. It's been great having you back. Thank you. And thank you very much, Tom Wilson. Yeah, thanks for having me. And same, I always, in the off-season, I always do this sort of stuff anyway. So I thought I may as well jump on yeah. a pod and um, talk about some players I enjoyed watching. Great debut, mate. It was indeed. You've done fantastic. Thank you very much for coming on. And we'll hope to try to convince you to do some more throughout the season. Um, but we'll see how the season goes before we try to convince you of that. Yeah, no comment. <laughs> um, but, but, <laughs> but dear listener, thank you very much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed it. And we'll speak to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Martin. Bye. Bye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.